2: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Senior, Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings Studios. In Boston. We got a great show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out here live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 A.M. Eastern on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, the DraftKings YouTube, and more. Jason Fitz, our good buddy from over at Yahoo Sports, down in Houston, gonna join us here in the nine o'clock hour. As dad, we have a national champion crowned in college football. Congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines. They are your 2024 college football playoff national champions. One of the only, uh, I believe only the fourth team ever to complete the 15-0 run. And the last national champion of the four-team college football playoff era. And they did it the exact way they have done everything (laughs) else, dad. By repeatedly punching the other team in the face over and over until they tap out. You know, every now
1: and then you get reminded, I don't think every now and then, but you, you, you get reminded of how the game was played, right? In just mm. the, the three yards and a cloud of dust. And what everybody said is how Bo Schembechler would be, you know, so happy about this type of victory. A guy, Jim Harbaugh, the coach played for and his father, Jack, coached with in Bo Schembechler. So this is the Big Ten way, the Michigan way. And you, as a former offensive lineman, I have to so appreciate the fact that these old linemen just got to, pl- you know, plow downhill, a couple of backs, getting a couple of touchdowns each, and Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards. This this kind of went how we thought from the Michigan side, control the ball. Not control the ball. They held the ball, I think, for maybe a, not even a minute longer, I think, or was almost even but but control the 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 drives, the rushing attack the way they did, but we all thought, boy, but Washington with their ability to hit big plays is going to get them on the other end. Mike, this may go too, you know, it's, I know we're in 2024 now, not back in the 80s, but you know, it, it certainly gives credence to the defense wins championships because this Michigan defense is absolutely Incredible. We'll talk about, and we talked about before this game started, Michigan was the most complete team. They could run the ball incredibly well, throw it good enough, and play unbelievable defense. Now, there was, I had heard a few people talk about, if you look at the top teams in the country against the past, I think three of the top five were were Big Ten schools. But the thought process being, well, you know, there's not great passing at times in the Big Ten. So that leads to you having good pass defense. So there were some people that were wondering, is Michigan defense and especially pass defense really this good? Or is it because they go against bad passing teams? And we found out they're really this good. And and they're going to have to deal with it more of the passing as everybody in the Big Ten will be as the Pac-12 comes over, you know, and messes with the Big Ten will have more passing there. But I, I can't say enough, listen, certainly from that old line standpoint and rushing attack, but the way that defense played against teams that were, could run the ball, teams that could pass the ball, teams that could do both, they answered every test. And, you know, before everybody starts with the asterisk and all that, BS on that. Man, enjoy that championship. You were the best team in college football. You were favored to win this game. You won this game handily. You kept waiting and hoping you know, you were going to get a game, right? You're going to make it 17-10. Washington gets that score before half. And you knew they were getting the ball back in the third quarter, Mike. So I know we were all texting in our groups going, okay, please. You made it a one-score game. See what you can do in the beginning of the second half. Let's even it up and we're back to a 0-0 type of a game. And what does Washington do? They throw an interception.
0: <laughs> yeah, I-, I think that was one of the uh, the interesting parts in here is – When you look at the box score and you see the gaudy rushing numbers from Michigan, over 300 yards rushing, Donovan Edwards, who had had not quite had as explosive a year overall as he did last season and certainly as of late looked like he may have been getting uh, some touches taken in the backfield, averaged 17 yards a carry in this game, but that was largely at the beginning, Dad. They started rolling like crazy. They had 200-yard rushers in, like, the first quarter and a half, and then inexplicably, in my mind, in critical situations, third and fourth downs, Went away from the run, opened this game back up to a Washington defense that was glad to accept J.J. McCarthy passing attempts, and then got into the situation where, yeah, you get the late score from Washington to end the first half, and you've got the chance to double dip coming out of the second half, but like you said, that Michigan defense found its way back into it, and gave Jim Harbaugh the gift of now being at the big person's table as he talked after yes. the game about <laughs> the standard in his family and what this moment now means for
3: him. For me personally, I, uh, I can now sit at the big person's table in the family. They won't, they won't, they won't keep me over there in the, on the little table anymore. My dad, Jack Harbaugh, won a national championship. And my brother won a Super Bowl, so uh, it's good to it's good to be at the big person table from now on. I do love the thought
0: that in the Harbaugh family, they actually made him sit at a different table. Like we've all gotten to see more Harbaugh family exposure than we've ever seen. Like seeing his parents at a lot of these games and hearing his mom get interviewed, the bloodlines are very, very apparent in all this. You had the cute moment during the game where John Harbaugh goes down on the sideline and surprises Jim, taps him on the leg and he pops up and he gives him a big hug. And uh, Dad, you saw the common Harbaugh trait on display in that physicality, because you mentioned the lines of scrimmage. This was the last three winners of the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line. Right. Washington won it this year. Michigan won it the prior two years and clearly took it personally the challenge of going out here and getting it done in this game. Now, they were going up against a Washington defense that came into this game much maligned, like we talked about. And, Dad, I gotta be honest absolutely gave Washington a chance to win in this game. Washington's defense from the end of the second quarter on into the second half played incredible football. Now, I don't know why it took them so long to do the things that we all thought going into the game would make sense load up the box, be aggressive, blitzing linebackers, having your safeties play downhill on early downs to try and force J.J. McCarthy into passing downfield, where, oh, by the way, J.J. McCarthy was 10 of 18 for 140 yards and spent a lot of this game with fewer than 10 completions, so... They had the game script in the second half and gave the ball back to their offense over and over and over again. And that's where the disappointing factor, dad, when we talked about the chief matchup of this game, the Michigan defense, Jesse Minner coordinating that against Washington and Ryan Grubb's offense. That was a decided win for the Michigan defense and what they were able to do with a Washington offense that had plenty of chances.
1: You know, and I was, and, and to your point, The adjustments made that that's why while it got out quick for Michigan, I was still I was coming back from Dallas. So between watching it on a plane and listening to it on radio, trying to listen to it or see what adjustments Washington's making. A lot of times you can throw out the first couple of drives because that's kind of the okay. we're seeing what they do and we'll make our adjustments. And when Washington wasn't and they kept giving up the yards, I thought, what, what are we doing here? We got either, either you're adjusting and Michigan's just continuing to kick your ass or you're not just adjusting at this point. And they did. And they did load the box more, which they should, because dare J.J. McCarthy to have to throw the ball. Right, he's a he's he's a good thrower. He's not elite, but he, he's a good thrower. But they have a better running game than a passing game, so make him throw the ball, and they finally did that. You look at JJ McCarthy. Now, listen, he's ten of eighteen. He didn't need to throw it more than eighteen times because of the way they were running ball. Uh, his two biggest plays were a what was it a twenty one yard run or twenty two yard run on third and yep. thirteen? I think it was a great Huge. job recognizing coverage, seeing the opening he had, and taking off. And then the one big pass over the middle to Colston Loveland, the tight end, it was a nice pass right on the money over the top. And Loveland, I think, went 41 yards with it when Washington really needed to stop to try and stay in this game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, th- this Washington did finally adjust. They had a chance, as we said, one score going into the second half. And, you know, they, they, they couldn't close the deal. And, Mike, we know what the story is going to be. All those who jumped on the Penix, Michael Penix bandwagon last week and, and, you know, and said, wow, look at this guy. And I had said, I've been on him all along. You know, this is this was an eye opening thing to say, well, OK, now, now he was on, only got sacked once, but he was getting knocked down all the time yeah. and getting pressured a lot. But you know what? That's going to happen in the NFL and you're going to have tight windows in the NFL. And he was clearly. Uh, affected by the rush, and we'll see what the injury is, grabbing his ribs. It looked like he had a rib issue, but he was getting knocked all over the place, had his old old lineman land on his ankle. He got the hell beat out of him this game. But, Mike, his throws were off. I mean, passes he usually hits, and you're going to have to hit under pressure at the next level, he was off this game. And he was taken off by the Michigan defense.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I want to make sure I give the Michigan defense their just too because they did a couple of things that to me were different than the last game and just in general that I was wrong on. You mentioned the number one. They only sacked him once. I thought they would need to put him down a lot more than that to win this game, but they got to him and they hit him still. And they did it rushing four for a majority of the game. Now, Jesse Minner has a lot of NFL in his bag. And so they gave him a ton of different looks. And there were some five-up looks. And there was a lot of moving and twisting up front that's been pretty part and parcel with what Michigan does all year. And they were able to just line up four and get wins, especially over the offensive guards of that Washington team. And we saw Michael Penix Jr. come back down to earth. That was the one thing in the last week, Deb. Like you said, you've watched plenty of Michael Penix. I got to cover him a bunch this year. It didn't always look like the Sugar Bowl. Like There are reasons no, he wasn't the no, consensus no, no. number one overall no. pick in the draft. Like he would have been if every game was the Sugar Bowl for Michael Penix. He'd have a Heisman. Exactly. And he'd have the draft status to back yeah. that up. But there had been more games that had some of this element where when he was pressured, Then some of the throws started to sail a little bit, and you had the bad miss on Roma Dunze, who was wide open in the first half. You had a couple of high balls to Polk, (laughs) one behind him late. And, And some of that is certainly indicative of, hey... Michigan's defense is getting pressure that bothers a quarterback and throws off the timing and rhythm and and then the other part was, Dad, I I thought too many pre-snap penalties for this Washington team. Too many mistakes (sighs) that set them up in bad downs and distances against the Michigan defense that didn't need your help being aggressive and took away so much of the stinger of Washington's offense that presents all these different looks and shifts and motions that kind of go out the window when it's third and 22 and you can't do all that cute stuff anymore and you've got to kind of simplify the equation. So as much As much as Michigan's defense deserves the credit, and I don't want to take anything away from them, that back end, Will Johnson, Mike were still were incredible. They spent the majority of the night outside of a couple of busts strapping up this really good wide receiver room. Washington's also going to look back and see so many spots where Washington beat Washington in this game, especially offensively.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely agree with that. And Pennix will have plenty of time to break down because we also have to remember that the, the evaluations that go on, there are doctors who, who you know, rip yeah. your body apart for former uh, past injuries. He's had four – what, he had four season-ending injuries when he was at Indiana, both shoulders and both knees. So he's got a lot of scar tissue to to deal with as well. I still like him to see what he can do in the NFL. Uh, But, you know, and and, and you're right. If every game was like the Sugar Bowl, we'd have been talking about him as the number one pick all along. So it obviously has not been. We all know that. But that was was not uh, a good look offensively for Washington, for him. And I will give Michigan the credit. One of the places I will, Mike, is while we know – Penix in this offense can go downfield. Then they did hit one, uh, I believe, Dodunze downfield, uh, but but missed too many. They love those short passes. And and as much as and we both call games. You sit there and call games and analyze this and analyze that. As I've said many times. Football is still a game on one-on-ones, and those outside passes, you have blockers on DBs, and you're basically set up to have the receiver with the ball in space against one defensive player in space, and who wins the one-on-one? Whether it's those plays, whether it's slants, whether it's it's passes that are designed to make yards after the catch. And Jesse Minner talked to it, talked about it, you know, all week. Is you've got. And it's not rocket science. You've got to make the tackle. You'll give up the short throw, but you've got to make the tackle. And we saw them miss an early tackle, and then we saw them, they just clamped down. They were doing an incredible job of, of coverage, of blanket, of making the tackle right after the reception where Washington receivers were used to getting a lot of yak, you know, and yards after the catch. And You know, I didn't want to sound like I'm throwing up. Um, so I, I, that, that is where I do, I credit that Washington defense more than saying the wash or, or, or the Michigan defense, Michigan. more than saying the Washington offense didn't do what we normally see. They didn't do it because of Michigan's defense. This was truly the best defense in football. Uh, and they showed it and any questions about, can they do it against a passing team? At least for this one game, they, they damn well answered
3: it.
0: Yeah, and that's part of the mystery of this Michigan team. I'm not with the people that want to go back and do revisionist history about what Georgia would have done in this spot or anyone else. Oh, no, they, they didn't get there, so they didn't get the opportunity to. What I will say is with Michigan now, this becomes interesting, and less so because in a 12-team playoff, a lot of this stuff is going to be less relevant. But this right. is a Michigan team that decided to schedule nothing and no one out of conference for the last couple right. of years. Right. Get to conference play, know you were basically going to have to win in November, and then charge up for this postseason run and while we'd like to see people in the sport incentivized to go out here and schedule tough out of conference and give us some of the interesting games, Michigan opted against it, and it's a strategy that worked because you had enough bites at the apple right. with this core and this roster that was led by J.J. McCarthy, who now finishes up his college career 27-1 and uh, as a starter. Wow. This was J.J. McCarthy after the game talking about coming back from last year after their loss in the Fiesta Bowl.
3: We came a long way, but in order to accomplish things like this, you got to go to those, you know, dark places where everything's not great. And, you know, just the response, you know, the urgency right after that last game last year, it was different. I knew it, you know, just from being on the podium last year and saying that we'll be back. I knew the guys that were coming back, and I just, I had this feeling that it was going to, be where we are right now, and you know, just all credit goes to you know the players on this team, everybody in that facility, Coach Harbaugh. Like that man, he's the reason we're here today. So, just all thanks to him and to everybody on the team.
0: And, and Dad, like we said, JJ McCarthy, I, I I I struggle with some of his NFL prospects. The way other yeah. people seem to light up about that guy, I, I don't see it quite as much. There's great tools there, but that last game last night was a perfect example in critical moments. J.J. McCarthy, when they turned to him, it was inconsistent. There were some times where it was the receiver, there were some right. times where it was him, but in general, it was never the driving force behind that team, the way the running backs and the offensive line were in that group. But he was a part of a core that decided to come back and do this together, him, Blake Corum, some of the other guys in the offensive line that had, offensive, that had prospects in the NFL in a day and age where we talk so much about the portal dad, they were able to keep the core of this team together for a while now and build up to a moment like this in a way that could become more increasingly rare in modern college football. And it worked, right? The
1: plan worked because if it doesn't work, there's a lot of guys that are going, man, I came back and we didn't get it. It's like the Rams, you know, doing, making all the moves that they made to get a Super Bowl and it worked because if it didn't work, they'd get slammed for it. And, and that's a different, that's from an organizational standpoint. We're in college, it's players that, could have had a, a, a been in the league for one year already deciding to come back. I feel bad for Zach Zinner, the right guard oh, who man. got hurt in that Ohio State game and missed all this one of the best linemen in the country, and supposedly coming along very well uh, from surgery. Yeah. but you know we both know this. The locker rooms are fantastic and The more guys are together, the tighter a locker room a lot of times can get, especially if you're successful. And they have been successful over the last few years. So the camaraderie and probably the decision for a lot of these players was easy, saying, we're right on the doorstep. You know, and this is something we want to appreciate together. We have all been together for so long that we can, that we can close this deal out if, you know, we come back and do this for another year. So kudos to, get, to them because of that type of a core you have no worries about is the team preparing themselves because that's all they came back for because they knew they yeah. could do it. So you knew in the off-season workouts, they were all going to do the right thing and they were going to work out and they were going to hold each other accountable and they were going to push, you know, themselves. Something that a lot of times a college coach is supposed to instill in these college players. Michigan had that because of the reason they were all doing this.
0: And and I mean, think about how often we've heard Lane Kiffin and others, people that have led the charge on portaling teams. And it's not to disparage portal players, but they said it's hard to set a culture when you've got new guys coming in who all have varying motivations and different backgrounds. These guys had one thing on their mind coming off of last season. And I can tell you, as someone who's lost the big game before, I didn't have another college game to come back and try. I didn't have another season. And I thought about it every day for probably the next year and a half, two years. It was never far from your mind. And so for them to go back weaponized with that, with the kind of leadership they had on that team, they went out and were able to execute football's oldest formula, man, for a lot of other teams. And Washington was a great team, but so much of that felt like trigonometry at times, or your angles and things all over the place. Michigan said the fastest way from point A to point C is directly through point B's chest. And they did that (laughs) and executed that all year long. And they did it in the biggest game. So congratulations to the Wolverines and those players. First national title since 1997 for them. Coming up next, Let's speculate about their coach's future. (laughs) All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great. But everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S. White Plains, New York.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We are hours removed from Jim Harbaugh winning the college football national championship. So let's speculate about his coaching future. Why not? So according to the Athletics' Mike Sando, the Chargers have emerged as the front runner for Harbaugh. Now, according to Sando, seven coaches and execs said on Sunday they thought the Chargers made the most sense. They also think the Raiders are likely to make a run as well. So one said they want Harbaugh and he wants them. So I would think they would get that done. The Raiders want Harbaugh too. So the Raiders could outbid them, but I don't think that will happen. But guys, last night, post-game with Scott Van Pelt, it kind of felt like Jim Harbaugh was alluding to a Michigan return.
3: We're moving spring practice back. We usually, we usually start on Valentine's Day, okay. February 14th, because we love football. Um, but this year, we're gonna move it back. We're gonna move it back about a month, and uh, that'll be good too. We'll have uh, some nice weather in the spring in Ann Arbor. Okay, so you're thinking about the spring in Ann Arbor, all right.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh scott was scott
0: was hip to that one yeah, yeah. what do you guys
2: think is this just Duh. you know this is just what you say right like i think his future's still uncertain here
0: i i think he's probably gonna leave like yeah. i i maybe maybe it's just me and it, it, it all seems too perfect and maybe sometimes when it seems too good to be true it usually is and it, not that i'm rooting for that but That you look at all the signs here, Dad. Guy goes back to his alma mater, is a Michigan man, helps lead them to their first national championship in the 21st century, does it his way, weathers the tough times in the storm, especially going back to 2020, where it looked like he might be fired. He had to take a pay cut, and now he's all the way back at the mountaintop. But he mentioned it there, and he heard him talk about, you know, he saw his brother, he talked about his brother winning a Super Bowl. We know. Competition is the love language of that family. And that's what I keep going back to dad for how complicated and mysterious Jim Harbaugh's brain seems to be. I actually think there's one part of it that's pretty easy to understand. The man is wired to seek contact. And I feel like the next level is always something that's going to appeal to him while he feels like he's got meat left on that bone.
1: Well, he also was at the next level and almost reached the mountaintop, and it was his brother who beat him at the mountaintop Mm -hmm. when he was a head coach at San Francisco, and he faced his brother. I mean, this family faced his brother in the Super Bowl, but as we said, his dad coached the national championship. His, His brother won a Super Bowl. He was in a Super Bowl. Now he's a national champ. Mike, I have always said this, and I don't know if there's anyone in sports right now who has a bigger leverage hammer than Jim Harbaugh, right? Because he did not mm. sign the extension at Michigan. So if he were to go back to Michigan, remember he took a pay cut a few years ago when he was losing to Ohio
0: State. Now those days are seem long gone as to I think what he he's made done. three million dollars in incentives yeah. on the way to winning this title for a total of like ten million dollars yeah. this year. And-
1: And he won't have to worry about incentives to make $10 million if he stays in college. That'll be the deal. So, if he wants to come back, and Ward Manuel, the the AD there, even said, he said, what pro team wouldn't want this guy to coach? He said, listen, I'm the AD here at Michigan. I want him to coach Michigan football. But he said there's going to be a lot of teams after him. So, he knows. I mean... Whether the AD or any NFL team is going to just be cringing when they hear from his agent to what the number is going to be, right? Yep. So for Harbaugh, man, use it. Whether you're going back to Michigan, whether you're going to the NFL, which I which I think he'll do, and I think it would be the Chargers. Though Dean Spanos, they don't spend the most money in the world, and we know with the Raiders, they will. They will. They will throw money at you. But it seems a better setup with a quarterback who's with the Chargers. So. Obviously, there's discussion there, but I I think he's going to leave. But if he stays, man, he already is making a lot of money. Listen, the guy's never got to worry about that. But still, that's part of the equation. And it's all right for someone to try and get the most money that they can.
0: Absolutely. And I think another part of the equation for Jim that we also need to mention, and that is – the effect that a looming NCAA sanction right. yes. might have in all of this for the science team, scandal that Jim Harbaugh made a very clear last night. He believes that oh. this is the sound of Jim Harbaugh claiming their innocence after this national title.
3: We're innocent and, and we stood, we stood strong and tall cause we knew we were innocent. And I just like to point that out. And these guys, these guys are innocent. And, yeah, overcome that. Um, it wasn't that hard because we, we knew we were innocent. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's really what I want to say. It went exactly how we wanted it to go. It went exactly how we wanted it to go.
0: He's <laughs> so dying I, on the hill. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. I appreciate the focus of the Michigan players in the midst of all of this i mean they didn't have their head coach for six games this year yeah and they won the national championship that is pretty wild and the rest of the staff, like I think, Sharon Moore is a star. Their offensive yes. coordinator, yep. offensive line coach, who stepped in and coached one of the interim ga- one of the games at the beginning of the season when Harbaugh was suspended. He coached all three at the end of the season, and I thought did a masterful job in situations. I thought last night got away from the run a little bit in spots that I was surprised by, but in general, I think is a phenomenal coach. I think if Harbaugh leaves, should absolutely be someone in line to be the next head coach at Michigan, and if not there, somewhere else. But Yeah, Dad, I I really got a little bit tired of the like overcoming adversity narrative around this team. Like the adversity came from one place. The call is from inside the house. You could sit up there and claim their innocence. There's a mountain of evidence that at this point suggests otherwise. And if an NCAA report goes in and finds that they are somehow completely exonerated in a way that, by the way, the Big Ten already felt enough was there to punish and sit him down for three games at the end of the season. Then I will retract all this statement, but until then, we've got enough Connor the Stallions related weird propaganda to probably say innocent wouldn't be the word I'd use.
1: I, that, that that's that's exactly right that that's not the word and and he I don't think he could have said the players on the field were innocent which they were because then if he said that everybody understood yeah. the next question would be <laughs> "Well, if you said the players were how about you so he had to do the all-encompassing we're innocent you know to which I mean the eye rolling that had to go down now listen we both so everybody to know both Mike and I don't care I mean, wear the ring proudly, display the trophy. You're national champs. You beat everybody. You did it. So this is in no way saying you don't deserve or there should be an asterisk. BS on that. You're the champs. But, Jim, you guys aren't innocent. And and he's going to, I think, go to the NFL and we could, that's when we use Pete Carroll as a verb. He's going to Pete Carroll it. Right. I mean, Pete Carroll, you know, took off from USC when things were starting to go, you know, with the NCAA investigations. He went to Seattle and he's been unbelievably successful. I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying that's what he did. And Jim Harbaugh, that if he's going to let me put it this way. If he's going to leave, it would be hard pressed for me to think that that part of it wasn't at least a little bit of a reason, Mike, of what may be coming down the road and what has already happened
0: absolutely i think that's human nature and i think at this point we, we you talked about war manual understands he's always going to be in demand especially because of his nfl background they've been used to this he interviewed for the vikings job right. before kevin o'connell got that all these things at this point michigan fans have been numb to it and i think would feel pretty good about the way jim harbaugh left the program even if he yep. did leave yep. there's going to be a lot of change they're going to turn a lot of guys over to the draft next year a team that developed a bunch of guys that weren't necessarily five star players might set to set a draft record this upcoming year. So all that's going to be there, Dad. But uh I I still look at I still look at this the way you did there and say that uh, kind of saying everybody's innocent and in all this, this absolutely had an effect and yeah. will have an effect on the decision.
1: So goes to the NFL, Mike. I think it was Belichick at twenty mil, and I think Sean Payton at eighteen mil or something like that, and then somebody at fifteen or something. Over-under, if he goes to the NFL, fifteen million dollars.
0: Oh, I'll say over. I mean, if Ben Johnson's yeah. going to get the Panthers to pay him that, I think the Jim Harbaugh he's not the is going to find himself him north that. of that. Yeah,
1: I, I maybe I set that number too low. Maybe I should have said eighteen million over or under.
0: Yeah, it, it could be in that range. And I mean, at this point, Jim Harbaugh's proven himself worth it at every stop that he's been at along the way. So he gets the credit for all that and goes on and and this is one of those things dad where we talked about this with the houston astros and the science stealing scandal and while it's not as apples to apples because baseball is so different than football what happened after the astros kept winning with a gigantic microscope on their operation much the same way this michigan team after the science stealing scandal news came out they had to go down the toughest stretch of their season with everybody looking and wondering if they were doing that including in this game and all they did was went out and keep winning so they deserve the credit for that we'll wait on Jim Harbaugh's future and take a look at some other bounce back candidates in the NFL next.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, it's time for our surreal celebrations presented by Siroc. Siroc champions your game day celebration with ultra-premium vodka. So the Texans are celebrating after punching their ticket to the postseason for the first time since 2019. They're going to take on a Browns team that also earned their first playoff berth since 2020. They're joined by the Steelers, Rams, Packers, and Lions to make six total teams that are playoff-bound after missing last year's postseason So for 33 straight seasons, the league has had at least four franchises in the postseason a year after they failed to earn a bid. On the other side, Jags are one of six teams who failed to make it back after appearing in last year's postseason. Jacksonville started the season 8-3 and and then went on to lose five of their final six games. Guys, which team, okay, that missed out on this year's postseason, do you accept expect to be celebrating a postseason birth next year.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, Dad, to try and go the way too early prognostication on this because, as we said, like we're used to this kind of shuffling every year and we swapped in Texans, Steelers, Rams, Packers, Lions, and Browns for Jags, Bengals, Vikings, Chargers, Giants, and Seahawks. And they all happen for different reasons, but I think some of them, Dad, when you look at the crop of teams that are now not going to make the postseason this year, there are some that maybe can point towards things that are a little bit predictive, right? Like I, I don't know, Dad, I look at the Cardinals team and the way they they finish the season kind of akin to their division mates in the Rams who had so much of last year undone by injury, especially to Matthew Stafford being banged up and got him back healthier this year and obviously had to hit on a bunch of draft picks. But for the Cardinals, you have the bedrock of, well, you got Kyler Murray back from the ACL. He looked pretty solid down the stretch of the season, seems to be executing that offense very well. Jonathan Gannon is all in on him. And so with that to build on, you have to do the other part of nailing some draft picks. But they're an intriguing team going into next season because it feels like they were able to get the most out of that roster in a year where no one expected much.
1: And I have to believe right out of the gate, I mean, a, a, an area they need help is the number one receiver. And this receiving core in the draft is top heavy, uh, not top heavy, has studs at the top and is deep. So they, they could take care of a couple of things there, but they should. I, I, everybody thinks they would go uh, wide receiver, number one. Um, I, I, I like that. And then I look at the six teams that didn't make it and maybe who has the best chance of those six teams of coming back. And even a lot of this, even teams that didn't, haven't made it in a couple years, and you look to see if they're going to make it going back, right, is you look at the quarterback. So even for all the teams, you just mentioned uh, Arizona, you know, Kyler Murray coming back. You know, the Denver Broncos, we, we, we have no idea. You know, it's not going to be Russell Wilson, so we don't, don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Washington, it's not going to be Sam Howell, right? He's not going to be the quarterback. Chicago, very interesting on what goes on there. The way, Listen, if Justin Fields is gone from Chicago, some team's going to get a quarterback, I think, and still grow into a really good quarterback. So we'll see what direction they go. But the six that missed it this year after making it, Cincinnati's going to get Joe Burrow back, right? Yep. Jacksonville. That, I mean, you got some questions there. There's no doubt about it because, you know, even though Lawrence did get nicked up there, the Chargers are going to have I should, I have should
0: new- say, Dad, Cincinnati is probably the better comp that I was trying to force there for the Los Angeles Rams. A team that had been to the Super Bowl that's got a bunch of the parts you need and just had their quarterback get injured, that does feel like the one that if you're going to look for a Rams-esque bounce back next year, the Bengals will probably be number one on everybody's list yep. for that for that reason.
1: Yep. And so you go to the Chargers, and who's going to be their coach? I think a lot of people think if if maybe if Harbaugh is the coach there, if recency bias of what he just did, if he's the coach there, an offensive guy, you know, that that they would have a chance to compete uh, in that division. Giants, I mean, Daniel Jones got paid. Daniel Jones got hurt. But you don't think a whole lot of special about that team right now. Seattle, Geno Smith two years ago to Geno Smith this year to a backup Someone he got nicked up. We're not sure about that team. And in Minnesota, are you bringing Kirk Cousins back or one of the quarterbacks you have on the roster? Is that going to be your future quarterback or are you going to be going out looking for another quarterback? So I think the easy answer there of the six that missed who were in it last year, as you just said, is Cincinnati because of the power that team has and the ability of the quarterback when he's healthy.
0: Yeah, I think you always are deferential, right? Bengals, Jags, Chargers, all because they've got franchise guys under center there, and I still believe that. About Trevor Lawrence, despite what we saw a lot of this season, there are going to have to be changes made. But those ones to me absolutely are are going to be right there because that's where they were this season, by and large. I mean, the Jags spent a portion of the middle of this season being talked about as potential contenders for the one seed in the AFC before they laid an egg down the stretch. Their quarterback finished the season beat to hell. There's a lot of things that showed up in the picture. The one that is interesting, dad, that you mentioned in there too, that maybe doesn't have their future secure. Cause like you said, Denver has a lot of questions they're going to have to answer. The Vikings have a lot of questions they're going to have to answer. But the Chicago Bears have the most ammunition to do it. Like if you're looking for a Houston yep. Texans true rise to fame from a team, Chicago has set the foundation on both lines of scrimmage. The Montez Sweat trade certainly went a long way in helping that D line get solidified. The offensive line, while well, it took a big step back in that loss against the Packers in Week 18, and did not quite look itself. You know, uh, uh, Darnell Wright, uh, Tevin jenkins the way that they've reset that line through the draft right. a bits helped and now you go in armed with at this point the first pick the ninth pick and justin fields potentially as capital depending on what you want to do with that they've got the opportunity to like houston last year who drafted the likely rookie offensive rookie of the year in cj stroud and i saw him bill barnwell over at espn's list of all pros and award candidates one of the guys who has a real good chance of winning defensive rookie of the year and will anderson jr who a lot of people looked sideways at them for trading up to that third spot in the draft to take there out of Alabama. They managed to get, I mean, Will Anderson Jr. was a captain his rookie year. I get it was a young team, but that still speaks volumes about another franchise cornerstone they found. And Chicago walks in with that kind of ammunition where they could, based on the trajectory we saw at the end of the season, be in a spot where they really get a lot better in a hurry.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're going to have the best Christmas presents under the Christmas tree, right? And it's like, what, what do you do with it? You know, do you know how to, you know, you get that, you get that toy or whatever, do you know how to put it together? It's the coolest thing in the world, but can you assemble it? And, and that's what they have to do in Chicago. They have to, the, you, have the, you have the assets to go out and make, and make, do just what Houston did. It's still a crapshoot. We get it. You know, you can be graded high and still be a bust. We've seen it over and over again. But you got to give yourself that best chance to say, okay, this is what we graded and this is who we think Uh, is going to be the guy or the guys in this case to help turn this around like it worked for Houston. So, we'll see. They're on the clock. And and either way, I mean, if they wanted to keep Justin Fields, they're in for getting more assets, right? Because if they want to keep Justin Fields and trade that top pick, well, hell, they're going to get a ransom for it. And if they want to trade Justin Fields and keep that pick, they're going to get not as much, but they're going to get, you know, Something in return, assets in return for Justin Fields. So either way, they're going to add to the war chest.
0: Yeah, it is a massive, massive spring coming up for that front office. In Chicago, because you have a chance to reset the entire course of this foundation. You think about Dad, all the excitement that was there when they drafted Justin Fields, a franchise that had been so devoid of quarterback play for so long, is in position to get one of the guys that at that point, Justin Fields, was a prospect the way that we talk about Drake May yeah. and Caleb Williams as a can't miss guy. And it obviously hasn't gone that way for any number of reasons, some of which are Justin's fault, some of which are the organization's fault. Right. They got a big chance to write that wrong and try and be one of those teams that makes a you know not quite worse to first but they're picking first in the draft like they weren't that bad they weren't number one overall bad this year especially right, in the back right. half of the season but they've certainly got an opportunity so i think of the teams that you know weren't in the playoffs last year that we're talking about with ready set options at quarterback they to me remain the most intriguing and honestly dad controls so many of the dominoes that are going to fall in the spring for the draft yeah they
1: really do so and again we What happened in Houston makes owners' eyes get bigger than they should be. Mm -hmm. They they will say to their GMs and coaches, if we need a quarterback and we pick one high, see what they did? We have to make that happen. When what happened in Houston, everybody needs to remember, is an exception, not a rule. (laughs) When you're starting with a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback and the such, this normally doesn't happen. So that's even more of a tip of the cap to Houston.
0: I was going to say, by the way, give D'Amico Ryan's his flowers, hopefully creating more opportunities for defensive head coaches, minority head coaches with the success that he's had.
2: Everybody, we love our food here on Gojo and Like This is actually a real baby, not a food baby, but it could be a food baby as well. <laughs> so it's time for another segment of Tums and Yums. That's right. We highlight our favorite food-related stories in sports. It's sponsored by Tums with Tums Fast Heartburn Relief. Your favorite foods are never a gamble. Tums also very handy during pregnancy. Now, our food and sports crossover this week is courtesy of the Buffalo Bills because the key to their late season success has been identified, and fellas, it's pizza. That is good news for all of us. The team is 4-0 this year following pizza parties hosted by Connor McGovern. So that's right, Bills guard loves to make pizza. Apparently he got into it uh, during COVID, frequently held parties for his teammates during his time in Dallas. He recently started the tradition back up in Buffalo. And the team has gone undefeated since said pizza parties have come into inception. So whatever's in those pizzas is obviously working. Bills are rolling into the playoffs. I'd imagine he's hosting another one of these pizza parties before they take on the Steelers on Saturday. So, fellas, what do we think about the power of pizza?
0: Yes, he did. Everyone wants to make it that the Buffalo Bills are, I believe, 5-0 since the resurfaced story of Sean McDermott's 9-11 speech went viral. But no, no, no. This is about the power of pizza. And one man opening himself up. Connor McGovern started this during the pandemic like a lot of us when he was home by himself and then mustered up the courage to show his friends his new skill, and now they're all better for it. What's better? I mean, one of my favorite things about playing in all seriousness was Thursday night dinners with the (laughs) offensive line where you get everybody together – You get to sit there and unload and talk a little bit about stuff that's not the game and have that kind of community and fellowship. And now he takes requests. He's done calzones. He does different kinds of pizzas for guys. The man is an absolute pioneer, and I am so pumped for him.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on the Thursday nightclubs. I mean, they're, they're the best. to just. But, but then when you do something different like this, like he has a pizza party and they continue to win, it's kind of like that fan that sits with his legs crossed or her legs crossed a certain way and something good happens and they stay that way because something good happens and they think their legs being crossed a certain way was the reason for it. Listen, players are superstitious as well. If we yes. do something and we win, you know what? We're going to do it again. And then we're going to do it again. And that's what they're doing with Conor McGovern, McGovern and enjoying pizza along the way. So what's better than that? We're getting, eating good pizza. I'd imagine a few pops are involved as well. So how great that is. And, and, and as we said, camaraderie in sports in a locker room or at a house, whatever, is, is just one of
0: the coolest things cooking when you have for other people when you haven't done it before is a very daunting task that is a brave yes. thing that Connor did yes. with his bu- big burly brothers and now i can only hope that there is some crew for one of the networks covering these games that's going to go out there and do the feature piece we all deserve where they go to the buffalo bills offensive line pizza party and get one of the pizzas made by connor mcgovern this I pray for our nation dad. If pizza helped heal and solidify the Buffalo bills, maybe they need to send some to the folks down near MetLife with the New York jets, because it seems like there's a lot of heartburn around there right now. Aaron Rodgers yesterday uh, was taking some questions in response to the jet season. He got asked about if he had words of advice for the organization going into 2024 To which he responded, "Flush the BS. He got a question about what he learned from the seven and 10 season. And he said, quote, anything in this building that we're doing individually or collectively that has nothing to do with real winning needs to be assessed. If you wanna be a winning organization and put yourself in position to win a championship and be competitive, everything you do matters. All the BS that has nothing to do with winning needs to get out of the building. So that'll be the focus moving forward. And that's the focus of these exit interviews. This comes and, and there was a, a I believe, Rich Samini was tweeting out a lot of these updates. Great Jets reporter, and that came right after the update that Aaron Rodgers does not plan to address the backlash to his comments about Jimmy Kimmel, and that you can tune into the Pat McAfee show today for those. Like, it's got to be a bit at this point, Dad. That's the only thing that I can come up with.
1: Or, you know, just go, go do it where you've been doing it all along. You know, being on with Pat every week, I mean, that, that's been obviously a big thing for them. And, but everybody wondered what would happen when you're not talking about football anymore. And boy, oh boy, what a turn it took uh, with the Jimmy Kimmel situation that, you know, obviously is, is Tuesday. is going to be today's the day that he's going to talk about it'll be interesting what he has to say because of what he said about a man and jimmy kimmel uh which which would tick anybody off (laughs) um so it will be interesting so he is he continues to be in the news
0: but i guess that's the point is how you come out and say we need to flush all of the stuff that does nothing to do with winning and yet every tuesday this is what's going on we're all trying to find the guy who did this dot meme. I mean, for God's sakes, Aaron's smart enough to know and see that. Yeah, Aaron is, but Aaron, you know, Aaron, Aaron is very sure about himself,
1: right? Very sure about himself uh, on topics, whether they're sports or whether they're not sports. As he has said many times, he does a lot of research, so you know, take that however you want to take it. Uh, but he thinks he is, you know, has, has some knowledge on other situations and he's not afraid to spout it out. You know, which which I'm sure to him, Mike, he can separate church and state saying I'm talking about these things that have nothing to do with football when he talks about things outside the world of sports. And then there's the talk about football. So I think in his mind, he's separating those two and saying this one has nothing to do with the other. When I'm talking about football or when I'm in that building, it is football 100 percent. And when I'm outside that building, he obviously has other things he likes to talk about.
0: And you know what the thing is, is like, I don't want to overstate this too much because we saw on Hard Knocks, we heard from a lot of those guys in the team, like Aaron Rodgers, when he's in the building for them, is a net positive. Like Aaron Rodgers came in and you saw the way that those guys eyes lit up when they saw what he did on the field, what he meant to them in meeting rooms, the benefit of having his level of football accomplishment and experience around an organization that's been totally bereft of that for God knows how long, like Aaron Rodgers is absolutely a part of winning football when he's inside the organization. I just found it quite frankly hilarious that he talked about distractions and anything that doesn't have to do with winning when the only reason the Jets got talked about for the back half of the season was either something he said to this vein on that show or the quest for him to return back from the Achilles injury that was impressive in the pursuit, even if it was never realistic in the execution.
1: Well, you're right. And we talk about this all the time. You know, what you say then makes others have to answer questions about what you say. You know, so you're, you're writing a check that sometimes others have to cash. And, you know, but he's been doing this a long time, though, and I don't, I don't see him changing. I don't see him be the one that, but that may change in this because I don't think he believes he's doing anything like that. I think, like I said, he can separate that while on the outside looking in, we have an opinion that they could be meshed together somehow. And he doesn't. But the bottom line is, you're right. They're a better team with him, not only in the locker room, but certainly on the field. And he says, you know, he kind of gave the inference that he does. It's not one more year. He wants to keep playing after that. I think he has two more years uh, on his deal uh, as well. So uh, this this whole situation with him and the Jets, if you if you didn't cry, if you're a Jet fan, you have to laugh. Because all that's made out of Aaron Rodgers coming to that team, and even people like Stu Gatz, who, if you're a Jets fan, the, gra- the, the glass is cracked, it's not half full. You're waiting for the shoe to drop. The shoe dropped four plays in. The shoe dropped, not, they didn't even get off like, to a good start to where, oh, they're 3-1, look at him go, oh, my God, he got hurt. Or, you know, they're 7-4, and four, oh, he got hurt. Four plays into the season, it's over so the the basically everything changes now everything from conversations on a weekly show he's doing isn't about the upcoming game as much as about his situation that he's in right that he was in then
0: yeah I, I completely agree and, and we should say all this the football stuff to me is we're talking about this so largely separate I am fascinated to see what he does say today on Pat show and if he will yes. have the humility to apologize for what I think was a <clears throat> pretty brazen and irresponsible yes. insinuation Incredibly. that he made about Jimmy Kimmel, especially yep. all falling under the Disney umbrella there.
1: But even yeah, just at a human level. Yeah. That, that, that I mean, you just can't say that unless you have absolute proof, you know, actually accuse or say someone was out involved in something that involves pedophilia. I mean, that it's, it's, it's awful. And, man, if you are going to spout that off publicly and have no proof on that, then, you know, whatever's coming back your way, you're going to deserve. So I, I'm, I agree. I'll be interested to hear what he has to say
0: today. And the fact that the last two sentences are things that we had to utter in relation to one of the best quarterbacks of my yes. lifetime is a wild testament to how far off the road that we've gone entering 2024.